Welcome to the Build Business Acumen Podcast, where we deliver practical knowledge and powerful guidance. Here is your futuristic host, Nathaniel Skula. This is an episode that I recorded two years ago now for nextlevelpodcast.com. Ted and I have been connected for must be about five years now, and I've known him to be super, super supportive for everyone that he comes into contact with. He was involved with Yahoo in the early days. I'm lucky a lot of people know who I am. Um, I'm, uh, I've been involved in digital media since 1997. Um, in, in pot, really, I mean, that was 20 years ago now. So, uh, that's when I was just turning 40. Um, and I, I got involved in digital, uh, by joining a company, uh, that was founded by a guy many of you are probably aware of or know who he is now. His name is Seth Godin. Um, when I joined that company, I didn't know who Seth was and most, most people did not. Uh, Seth had made a name for himself as a product manager uh, and a product marketing manager with with Atari, believe it or not. Um, and then, you know, Seth moved around did a lot of things. He was always a writer, but he really made his name in the digital marketing space starting in the mid-90s, and he had a company called Yoyodyne, which was which we at least called the first online direct marketing company. And Seth was really developing his initial thinking about all of this back then. He was really out there testing, trying new things, and he very quickly discovered something that he had learned in his more traditional marketing career that he felt that people were getting tired of being of, of messaging being thrown at them and that we were moving to a world where people were starting to look for the information they wanted. It was early, um, so we were really involved at, at Yoyodyne trying to give that to them or guide them to the places where companies were offering products, talking about things. And remember, back then, um, um, e-commerce was not much more than a, um, a brochure online. Um, and, and new media was really just old media in a new package. Uh, I, I believe that in the last, I don't know, five to seven years, we've really moved into the age of new media where everybody has a voice. Uh, you know, it is the age of influence where anybody can build a brand, affect change, make a difference 24-7. It's all about dedication. I was having a talk uh, with the daughter of a friend of mine today who's 27 looking to change careers, and I was just trying to explain to her the whole thing that it, it takes not just hard work, but it takes commitment and it takes time. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody, we tend to see the people who we can quote unquote overnight successes and most often that overnight success has been in the world for many many years and we are in an age where you can discover it very very quickly you can be of any age you can make your first post and if the right person follows it or shares it you, you know you might go viral and all of a sudden have this huge audience overnight but that's very rare number one yeah. and number two is even if that does happen if you don't follow it up with engagement and connection and or good content, it won't matter. So, you know, it, it is this age where we can all do it. And it's remarkable, uh, Nat, because, you know, you remember the days if a mom was at home and didn't have a job and was a stay-at-home mom, there wasn't much more she could do than go to local meeting things with her kids, meet the mothers involved in that, maybe get involved in the PTA. And this isn't a put-down. Uh, this is just the way it was. Yeah. Now... Th- the world is at everybody's fingertips and people can not they can work from home they can work remotely they can travel and work they can be at home taking care of their kids and be working as a mom or a dad 
And to me, that's the most remarkable thing. So, you know, I progressed through this market. I joined in 97 uh, at an early time. We were acquired by Yahoo at the end of 1998. I got an opportunity to work with them in the early days. I made my way through Web 1.0, um, uh, ended up fast-forwarding a bit at a brand that gave me the first true opportunity to move beyond the boundaries of traditional digital media and expand and build my brand in social media. It was called Elf Cosmetics, eyeslipsface.com. That was 2008. And I, I was very lucky. I ended up at a brand that was family-owned, that was small, that had no marketing budget, and was really desperate for any opportunity to get in front of people. So I didn't have to deal with legal teams and, and, and rules and regulations. Basically, let me do anything I wanted. As long as it, as long as it built the brand, um, resulted in an audience, which, which we knew at some point, because we had a great product, would result in sales. And I, at that time, I was hanging out with guys like Jeffrey Hazlett, who was one of the early marketing guys into social over at and Barry Judge, who was the CEO of Best Buy doing some really early things. And it was funny because I was very lucky. They, they kind of, you know, brought me in, even though I wasn't from their Fortune 500 world. And we would brainstorm together. And at the end of it, they'd be like, well, why don't you try it? Because I could do anything I wanted with no repercussions from my organization. So I was just fortunate that I got to experiment and learn and realize how quickly you could try things in this market at a very early time. And then I just, I love that. So I embraced it and I've been doing it ever since. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Very interesting. Seth Godin w- was a big inspiration to me. I read, I read the, uh, the Icarus Deception and I don't Oh, that's know. a great book. Yeah. So, so for me, when I, when I was at school, I had a, I had an English teacher and he, he, he used to basically tell me that I would be cleaning toilets because I misbehaved in his class. So for about, <laughs> about nearly two years, he said to me, I mean, it's, he was quite a posh, chap he was a captain in in in, in i believe this the, the army or whatever and he would say you'll be cleaning bloody toilets boy and that's what he would say to me and until <laughs> i was 35 years old so that's just gone so six years ago uh, i didn't write anything that was vaguely interesting that anyone else would read and thanks to seth godin's book um, I actually started writing and, and now I'm on a mission to do exactly what you just talked about. And I and I am relentlessly writing one post every single day right now. And I just started that. And I, well, that's, that's, it's, it's incredible. The results that I'm getting already, you know. It's impressive. And you have to be very focused, you know, in an interview. You know, Seth, Seth was asked, like, how have you managed over all these years to write a blog post every single day. I mean, he's been doing it forever. And his answer was, I to, to do that, I have to give up doing other things. I don't take lunches. I don't do coffee. I don't go out for cocktails. He says, because it, it's, if you're dedicated to something like that, whatever it happens to be, you, you have to find time for it. And, you know, everybody thinks, like, you know, he was saying, everybody thinks I just sit down and it, it comes out and I write it and I move on. But it's not that easy. And I'm sure you've experienced that, you know, getting that inspiration every day to write something. You know, for me, I don't write a blog every day, but I, I post, I, I create content every day in one form or another. And I like to tell people that it really is incredibly easy once you're dedicated to it, because most people overcomplicate content. Yeah. They overcomplicate everything and it's completely ridiculous. You know, I mean, 
I, I last night I thought, well, because I found yesterday morning quite a struggle to write my post. So, so then last night I was like, right, I know I'm going to write about something for tomorrow morning. And I had inspiration about my trip across the border in, in, in a very, very dangerous country, uh, crossed over the border in Latin America into a very dangerous, uh, well, it was safer when I crossed, but it was, it was the most dangerous trip I, I, I've ever been on. And, um, a lot of gangsters, a lot of, a lot of dodgy stuff going on, the army show up and all sorts of stuff. And I, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote that last night and, and, uh, I'm really happy with it. So I think, Sometimes you just got to broaden what you're talking about, right? I mean, f- f- personally, I- I'm kind of going wider. I'm-, I'm actually just writing about everything that's vaguely interesting. And if people buy into that and find it fun, then they will they will hopefully come back and read more of my content. Absolutely. You know, again, like I said, it, it gets overcomplicated because also there's a lot of people out there telling people how you have to write and what you have to do and the way you have to do it. And yeah. like you said, it doesn't always have to be on brand. It can be just that you say what you're thinking. It doesn't have to be on brand as the way people define a brand. Yeah. So, you know, it, it also, you know, again, you're, you're focusing on writing a blog post every day. And, you know, that's amazing. But I, like when I, I'm talking about people that find it hard to do any kind of content and I, right. I look at them and I say, you know, just take a photo. That's content. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you you can just put the photo up by itself. You can put the photo up with some commentary. You can put the photo up with a title. But that's content. Like, you know, uh, and again, it comes easier to some than others. For instance, I share a lot about my life. And yeah. because I live every, every day, I've got something to say. I mean, later today, I'm going to post something that I was out buying new golf clubs earlier today. <laughs> And, and, you know, and that was, that was a big deal because <clears throat> I grew up playing golf. I've come back and forth to it in my life, but I haven't bought golf clubs in, in 25 years. Right. And, and recently when I posted a picture because I was out with a friend from high school and remember I'm 59 and I reconnected with a buddy of mine I hadn't seen in uh, uh, close to 40 years a couple of years ago. And now he, I moved to Florida. He lives down here. We started spending some time together and I posted a picture of a, with our golf clubs in our hands and two of my old buddies who I grew up with, who I grew up playing, you know, the, the message from them was, dude, it's time for some new freaking clubs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how do, how, do yeah. you, how do you still hit those things? But, you know, it, it again, it isn't about, hey, Ted Bort clubs. It's about, this is my life and I'm finding, uh, I'm sharing something else about what I do and I'm finding, yeah. I'm pursuing other interests and, and it's, again, it's just part of who I am. So also when I post five posts in a row about marketing, about <coughs> how to find the best blog post, about how to, uh, you know, how to influence customers, about my latest thing about return on relationship, that's not all it is. There's stuff in there so people go, well, Ted's really a person. Yeah. You know, and um, I, most of the time when I write about companies, I write about them from personal experience. Like I very, very rarely will get like write about a company because either I'm paid for it or I just want to write about the company. It usually the, my interest gets sparked when I buy a product from them, when I interact or engage with them. I recently wrote a post that that, that really called out Best Buy because I had an incredibly bad experience with them, mm-hmm. which basically said to me, and it was my let, like I was like, you know what? I buy everything from Amazon, but I'm doing my house, and I bought a lot of stuff with Amazon, but I'm buying my TVs. I want to go in and talk to somebody. Never again. Nah, really? Never. Oh, dear. 
That's bad. That's bad because you can. Oh dear, you can tell so many people about that as well. With with the digital world, I mean, you've got quite a big audience, haven't you? As well, because you you're an author, right? As well, you. How many books have you have you written so far? I just published my third. Cool. Um, which I haven't really, like, I, I don't really announce books. I kind of just put them out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will post something about it. I just don't do the book launch thing. I don't mm-hmm. engage all my friends to share it and write posts and right. write, you know, things and, and, and tell everybody to buy it. I just kind of put it out there, but, um, I've written three books. So cool. my first one was Return on Relationship. And by the way, just so I don't get too much credit and people realize it's not as hard as you think. My books are not like they're 120, 125 pages. Mm-hmm. They're easy reads. They're, they're, they're usually extensions on something I've been talking about in my blog posts and, and in my social posts. Yeah. So my first one, which is really the hub of everything I do mm-hmm. is called return on relationship. Um, I published that in, two, in January 2013, and then in January 2015, um, I published an extension of that called How to Look People in the Eye Digitally. Lovely. Which, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it, it's all about trying to do what we do when we're face-to-face, but do it digitally, because so many people think that all you have to do is click a button and make a friend. <laughs> and, and, they, and they don't take the time to personalize those things. I mean, you know, truth be told... It's it's my version of of Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People for the Digital Age. So it's taking all these practices that a lot of us know, and by the way, many of us ignore these days Mm face-to-face. I always have to tell people to talk to each other when I'm at an event. Um, But it takes those and puts it online about calling people by name, checking out their interests, knowing something about them. And then my next book, which is again comes off of both of those and is an extension, is called The Age of Influence selling to the digitally connected customer. And, you know, it, it, it addresses a lot of what we've talked about, about how anybody can build an, uh, an audience, about all the things that go on with connecting with people, about what influence is, um, about influencers. And I try to talk about the different kinds because my feeling is the most important influencers are everyday people. Yes. We, all influence, we all influence someone. Mm-hmm. And many of us influence many more people than we think. This is not just about this new idea of the guy that's got a lot of followers and puts up your picture. And I talk about, you know, celebrities are one type of influencer and they have their value in certain ways. Um, I mean, very few of us will, will, will buy certain things from, from influencers, but there's other things. If they wear certain sneakers or certain shoes or certain jewelry, it certainly has influence on how people think about it and whether it's cool or not. But my whole contention is that most of the things we buy, we are not influenced by quote-unquote influencers. We're quoted, we're influenced by people we really know, whether it's our neighbor, our friend, our family member, or maybe somebody that people call an influencer, but somebody like you or me that goes to a lot of events, that speaks, that people have shook our hand and looked us in the eye, mm-hmm. and they feel like they have that connection rather than just a name that they've heard of or someone they follow on social media. And, you know, I, again, I was writing something the other day, and and I I was writing about the thing that I bought. I bought because of my buddy and business partner, John Andrews. And then I started thinking about all the things I've bought recently because of John Andrews. Um, all the Amazon, uh, the, the Echo, the Echo Tower, the Echo Dot. The, oh, my God, Ted, you have to have the Echo Show. <laughs> I went and got the Echo Show. You yeah. know, I, I, I've got an espresso machine 
that I would have bought, but he he bought it for me as a gift from from my new home, mm-hmm. him and his wife. But there are so many things that 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 I buy because of him. And one of the reasons is he tends to try things quicker than I will. Uh, you know, he's more of a of a first mover. I'm more. I'm I, I get used to things I have. But you know, we all have people in our lives like that. I mean, my whole life, I I I, I think we all have this, and I think this yeah. is a big thing with men. A little bit more than women, but we, we, like I have my guys. When I'm buying a new car, there's one guy I call. I yeah. don't call 10. Yeah. I take all the opinions and put them together. I call my buddy, my buddy Michael, cause he knows everything about cars. When I buy a new laptop, I call another person because I trust mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. because I know that they know about those kind of things. And I think we all have people like that. And, and to me, the thrust of this book is that's where influence is going. It's that you need to build relationships at scale with people in your communities, build communities because a network is great. It gives you reach, but a community gives you power because people listen to each other in a community and they look out for each other. I'm, I'm nodding, I'm nodding away actually. Interesting how you, you thought 120 uh, pages was short. I just wrote a book. I was speaking to Brian Eisenberg, yeah? Um, who I, I think you know, um, and and he gave me some great advice. He said, "Look, just write twelve chapters or ten chapters." I wrote a book of like I think it's like sixty-five pages, and that's it. And it's like a handbook, Perfect. you know. Um, yeah, and 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 people read those quicker. They're more apt to pick them exactly. up. Exactly, and and you know what, right? Who the hell's got time to read sixty thousand words now? No one's going to read sixty thousand words. I could sit there for the next two years, write sixty thousand words, and not make any money out of my book. So you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, for me, I want to make some money out of my book, and I want other people to um, to recommend it to other people, and then you know, hopefully, it will it will it will do well. I wrote it around um, personal branding. Um, and uh, kind of, it's kind of a, 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 a mostly about the personal branding and how you do it, and also um, it doesn't have any strate- any any kind of uh, tactics. There's there's no tactics of social media in there because social, you know as well as I do, changes faster than you can blink. Yeah, um, that's why I, I'm not even going to ask you these two questions that are the, that are at the top of, our, of 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 the questions that uh, I was going to ask you because actually. It's about strategic uh, work, right? It's not about tactics. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's about how you engage and communicate, and what you're tra- and also very important. What are you trying to accomplish? You know, it, it, a lot of people leave that out. They just they just they don't think about what is it I'm looking to achieve when I'm doing these things. And you're right. You know, I mean, look, I, I could tell you what platforms I use mostly, but they're, they're not very different than most people because there are certain things that are prevalent right now and have most of the eyeballs. But like, you know, a, lo- a long time ago, I was at an event um, and and Gary Vaynerchuk was on the stage and Jeffrey Hazelit and, you know, somebody said to Gary, it, w- it was when Gary was really into Twitter, and, and, as was I. And I, I mean, I still use Twitter a lot, but I'm saying it was Gary's primary platform. And someone said, Gary, what if Twitter went away tomorrow? And he says, I don't care. It's about the people. It's not about the platform. Like, I mean, you know, the odds are in this day and age, they're going to go somewhere else. It's it's unlikely uh, unless the world changes dramatically, which would probably change a lot of other things for all of us, that that this type of communication will go away in one format or another. So it's just a matter of where the people are. You know, and 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 what suits you best. It's not just it's this. 
factors I think that's most important when, when you're figuring out what platform or platforms you use. It, it's where the eyeballs are. It's, it's what you're most comfortable with. And then it's where the people that you're looking to reach are. So, you know, you might hate Snapchat, but if all the people that you're looking to reach are there and they're not on the other platforms you're on, then you're clearly wasting your time. Um, it, 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 so, but the other side of it is, um, for a company, it's a little bit different because a company can hire people that are comfortable on platforms. But for a personal training, like you were talking, you know, it all, a lot of it has to do with what, what you like doing the most, where you're most comfortable. Do you like Twitter the best? Do you like the way people engage on Facebook? Is LinkedIn more for you because you're more about, you know, particular business type connect, you know, um, 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 business type content and, and you, you like questions that are more business related versus personal or, or is it all of them? I mean, you know, I'm on a lot of different platforms. I recently, I mean, basically in the last few months I've, I've walked away from Snapchat. I, yeah, I have no too. interest at the moment. It's, it's, it's uh, awful, awful, awful. And it's not, that doesn't mean I won't later. I mean, when I first got on Snapchat, I didn't, I didn't love it and I kind of backed away. Mm -hmm. And then Snapchat picked up a, a, a lot of eyeballs and a lot of people were using it and I wanted to understand it. Yeah, so yeah. I jumped in and I used it aggressively because I wanted to understand and I, and I pretty much understand how to use it now. Mm -hmm. and, and then I just kind of lost interest. I found that my audience wasn't really there. Number one. Number two is, um, I just wasn't, I didn't want to be, talking to people every day and, and telling them what I'm doing yeah, and taking yeah. a videotape up. And more importantly, I felt that Instagram, you know, started offering everything they were offering exactly. and it was a place I already had a much, much bigger audience and I was much happier being there. They gave me a little bit more time on my shoot, you know, on, on, on each clip. And, and so right now I'm at, but even on Instagram stories, I use it periodically i use it every few days i might put up one or two a day i'm not doing what i was doing for a while on snapchat which was which was basically cataloging my entire day um again i want i want to understand it and i'm not I'm also not saying other people shouldn't do that number one is if you're really comfortable doing that and you enjoy it that's one reason to do anything exactly exactly okay no matter yeah. what yeah and then what i want I love about Snapchat and Instagram stories is that you can download the content and use it elsewhere. So I use, I build content on Snapchat and, and Instagram and I use, and Instagram stories and I publish it on Facebook, on Twitter, on, 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 on other parts of Instagram, you know, on a regular part of Instagram, like in different ways. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's all about what works for you and it's so easy to experiment and figure it out yeah. just be careful about listening to the people that say this is the way you have to do it yeah. if it's working for you I, I, one of the lines I like to say about content is I, I, I MC a lot of events especially through brand innovators and there are a lot of them that are about content and I hear a lot of the quote unquote experts gurus thought leaders you know people telling people this is the way I, this is the best con the best content is and, and my answer to that is the best content is the content that helps you achieve the goals you're looking to achieve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't argue with that at all. You've answered most of my questions already, actually. You know, um, I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100% on there. And the more passionate you are about using something and, and, and communicating in the way that you want to communicate, the better for, for the audience, right? Because that passion and positivity is going to rub off onto them, isn't it? 
Right, and it depends on who you are. Look, you know, I'm all about engagement and yeah. interaction, and I'm trying to get people to talk to me, and I'm and and I encourage that, and and I love when conversations really get started. But it doesn't have to be about that for you. I mean, I, I what I believe is, if you're a reg, if you're a brand that sells consumers or sells to other brands, mm-hmm. and you're on social, and you're and and you're not replying to their to their questions or their comments, that that I think is a critical error because. Yeah. It is a social platform. You are giving people the – it would be like people calling you on the phone and you never calling them back as a business. Yeah. You know, uh, it, 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 whether it's a customer service line or a sales line or just uh, or just calling in to have a conversation with somebody. So I do think it, there, there is a, um, a necessity for brands that go on these platforms to be prepared to communicate. And personally, I think their biggest value comes from that. Uh, but but that remains to be seen for each individual brand. I mean, somebody can prove out to me that, that it's great for them to be there, but but engaging and interacting doesn't really help them other than when people specifically ask them questions. I get that. But from a personal view, again, I, I take a lot of calls from friends and young people and people who are just trying to change careers. And I was talking to a woman today, very, very bright, and we were talking about um, what she's passionate about, which is health and wellness and, and, and good eating. And she's a social worker who's looking to change her career. She's not happy, you know, working in these places and she loves marketing. She's done a lot of it for herself and she's built an Instagram following. And we were talking about the difference between people that build large followings and some of them it's because they engage so much and it can be engaging about, like she would say, some of these people engage about stupid, silly things. But number one, I was trying to make a point that number one, people are lonely. And they yeah. love having conversation. Tight Number tight. two is people love being recognized. Um, and I tell this to big brands all the time when, when they're, when their internal experts tell me, Oh, there's no, nobody cares if we like their post. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah. And I've worked with thousands do. and thousands and thousands of women. And these women love nothing better than them, than being someone saying hello to them from a brand or liking their post or, or, or sharing something that they created. Um, so that's, yeah. that, 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 she was saying about how when people do that, she sees a lot of people's followings blowing up that way. And then another way is people that are just incredible, like creators. And they don't necessarily have to engage. They're, if they're amazing photographers or, or, or if they have a, a unique perspective on a sport or on some kind of activity and they publish amazing photos, you can also build a very large following doing that. If people feel a connection to what you're publishing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree completely. It's very funny, actually, how you, you can you remember when you finished your first book and how you felt that it was actually like a sculpture? That's how I felt. I only just finished it like two weeks ago and I'm just getting the cover designed. But when I finished writing it, I kind of felt that it was like it was like an artist and how an artist would have felt when he'd have when he'd have maybe made some sort of a sculpture or, or painted a picture or something. So I think as long as you, you, you put in the effort and it gives you a good feeling, then there's going to be people who are going to like it and people who aren't going to like it. Right. And by the way, if they don't and you do. Who cares? Exactly. Unless, uh, unless the only reason you were creating it was to get that result. But if you were writing it for yourself, like, you know, you mentioned how proud you were. And it was yeah. like, for me, I, I, I never thought I'd ever write a book. I mean, I, Same. I am, you know, a, a frustrated writer because I have all these titles and all these things I say, but I don't write that way. I mean, when I started my blog and the guy who was a mentor who told me I had to start, like, he saw my social presence. 
starting to blow up in the early days. He goes, you know, you have to start a blog. And I'm like, oh, no, don't tell me that. I finally found this this platform called Twitter where I could write one sentence and people go, oh, my God, that's amazing. (laughs) You know, and now you're telling me I've got to put two sentences together and and more. And he's like, just start doing it. You know, write write a paragraph, write a sentence. Little by little will come to you. But I never thought I'd write a book. And people for a couple of years were telling me you have to write return on relationship. You have to write return on relationship. I've been talking about it since 2009 and writing blog posts about it four years before the book came out. And I'd say, no, I don't write books. I don't write it that way. And finally, a woman named, named, named Kathleen Rose is, is the one who said, you have to write this book and I'm going to help you write it. And I've written a few books and I will build, I will take the, your content. I will build the table of contents. I will build an outline. I will write, I will outline the chapters. I will get you somebody to take what you've written and turn it into readable form in a book. And, you know, now I've done three and I'm, I've been working with the same editor since. Her name is April, uh, April Pryor. She's amazing. Cool. Um, and she takes all of my crap that I throw together in like like a box full of receipts, mm-hmm. you know, like the <laughs> people that say receipts in a box instead of categorizing them. Yeah. And and she makes it she makes it work as a book. Yeah. Um, because I don't write that way. So yes, I feel that same pride. It's one of the reasons I don't even tell people to buy it. My books are written for for two primary reasons. Number one is I write a lot about topics and blog posts and, and, and social posts and I, I I I start using certain terms like return on relationship and by writing the book I took ownership of the term. Yeah. So I own that term as far as marketing and business goes forever. I don't have you know no matter what anybody says, no matter what they do, yeah. I write it, I own it. When you when you Google it, that's what comes up. Yeah. I, I, I you know uh, when I I thought I had term coined the term return a relationship because I hadn't found it anywhere. I started using it. But when I went to write the book, I did a little more research as you should. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that in 2002, um, a white paper, no 2001 or 2002, a white paper was written by a division of Deloitte called return on relationship. Hmm. And, 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 and it was, it was similar to what I was writing about. I was very much in line with that. So that's why I changed everything I have to that. I started using and evangelizing the term. Nothing that you read from me says I coined the term. If you ever see that, it's somebody that decided I did that and I gave up on trying to explain to everybody. Yeah. You know, because because in all my literature, everything where there's something about return relationship, it says started using and evangelizing. But how to look people in the eye digitally? That that term I coined. Yeah. And uh, again, cool. by writing the. I took ownership of it. Look, the age of influence, I certainly didn't coin that term. Yeah. But I started using Very few people were using it. I started using it a lot in speaking engagements, in, in almost every presentation I gave. So now that I've written the book, when someone goes to write the book, I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was actually uh, reading about intrapreneurs the other day because I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of trying to give people content that they need around personal branding for each segment of, of, of the market, yeah? So, so I was, I was thinking, right, so intrapreneurs, yeah? And I, I said to Garen, I said, I wrote this article, Garen, about intrapreneurs. He says, I've never even heard of one. So I, so I, so I, I wrote, I wrote an article about it and I'm very careful when, when I write an article about a word that I don't think people understand. I actually give them uh, uh, the definition of the word. And what I like about what you just said is return on relationship is obvious. 
yeah it's an obvious meaning right you know and and the problem i have with these words generally they no one knows what they mean no absolutely and and then the other thing is when you write books people when people hire speakers they love to say and his new book blah 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 it just makes them feel good yeah they they like to put it on their agendas so you know it it, it it's those are kind of the things that have that have inspired me to to do these things by the way just one i have a fourth book coming out that i'm writing with my business partner john andrews cool. and i will tell you that his name will lead it number one is he's never written a book so uh, naturally I would give him the top billing, but truth be told, beyond that, he deserves the top billing because the book is called Retail Relevancy, mm. and and John John is what we call a retail geek. Cool. Like he lives for retail. He goes to stores just because he wants to experience the shopping experience at, mm. at a particular place or through an e-commerce site or something. And John worked at Walmart for a number of years, and and he's been at a lot of places. So we're working on that book. We're hoping to have it out uh, by next year at some point. Wow, that sounds that sounds fantastic. I'd love it if you could read my book for me and give me a give me a one liner. What do you think of it? If you have time, I'll I'll be happy to. Can I buy it on Amazon? Not yet. I was gonna I was gonna send you a PDF as long as you promise not to tell anybody <laughs> or give it to anyone. That's what it does. I, I, I'd be happy to buy it, but apparently I can't. Right? Not yet, but it'll be ready in a couple of weeks. But I was just gonna I was literally gonna send you uh, a PDF. So you could just have a look at it. Uh, feel free. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's called uh, Cheers to You. And um, Brian, Brian actually helped me come up with the name for it. Because I, I, was gonna, I, was, I was thinking about this really long name for the book. And he said, what are you doing? You can't have a long name. And so it kind of, it kind of just, he, he helped me come up with it, which I'm quite amazed actually. Um, so he's reading it at the moment. I'm hoping he likes it. So he's going to write me a forward with some luck. He's a good guy. He's very cool. He's very cool. Very friendly, very, very, um, open to, to helping other people. And I think that, that, that kind of seems to flow through the successful people that I, that I sort of speak to, you included, you know. You're, you're very helpful to to people who are maybe just starting out, and I think that's it, it, it's kind of like giving back, isn't it? No, I, look. It, it, uh, first of all, I just uh, I like to do for people. I always have. I learned it from my dad. My dad was the guy that shoveled people's walks when it snowed. He was the guy that we'd pull over on the side of the road and he'd make me get out and put somebody's garbage cans back up on their, on their, on their curb if they were in the street. Um, and, and I just grew up watching that. Mm-hmm. I saw more important than the way it made other people happy because sometimes it didn't. My dad also liked to straighten out their front yards the way he liked to see it. <laughs> um, it but, but to, him, to him, that was doing something nice. Uh, but I saw the joy he got from it. And, you know, there was a point I was about to make earlier, and I think I got sidetracked. And I related, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen my video about this dad, the dad that doesn't quit um, and about my fight to keep my daughters in my life. But um, one of the things I say there, which I've really learned to live by, especially for my daughters, but even other things, is that no one can take away what you have inside of you. 
So my ex-wife and, and most people that follow me know this story. You, you can check it out. It's easy enough to find. Um, I had to fight to keep my daughters in my life. It, it went very public in 2010 when I won a court case and my ex was the first woman in the United States to be held in contempt of court and convicted of child alienation. Wow. And, and I still fight. This is now seven years later. My daughters are 20 and 22, and I'm still fighting the battle um, because their mom is a very, very big influence on them, and she's an important part of their life naturally, yeah. as she should be. Yeah. But, but so I, I don't get to spend nearly as much time with my daughters as I as I would like. My older daughter, especially, has been very, very difficult. But what I what I always have is they can no one can ever take away my love for them no one can ever take away the memories i have of the time we spent together when they were young so no matter what happens and this you know the, the, i'll always have that so yes i have hope and i have prayers and people tell me that my daughters will come back and come around at a certain point and i stay in their life now by being present as much as i can and mm-hmm. i'm always there whenever they need me i'm going to see my younger daughter in washington dc next friday um, but more importantly, even if that were to change, even if they were to put up the wall and say, I'm not seeing you anymore, they can never take away how I feel. And I will never let that be overcome by anger or, 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 or resentfulness or anything like that. And you can take, and I take that into other things. I, whether it's personal business people or friends, no one can ever take away. If you do good for others, if you live by the be good to people, just be nice, return relationship kind of mantra and, and you know, my the way I end all that is that there's no let up in life and there's no let up on those kind of things. You will always have that you did that. You will always feel good about it. You will always know that no matter whether they accepted it right or they're still your friend or, or, or they return the it doesn't matter. So like what my dad taught me was do for others without expectation of anything directly in return. And guess what? You will get that return. It might not come from that person. But you know the old line, what goes around comes around. When you yeah. do good for others, good good finds its way to you. I, I really, really believe that. And, it, and I've lived it. Yeah, yeah. I really believe that as well. And I, I, I feel your pain on the child alienation thing. It's something that, uh, yeah, it's it's... Not something I want to talk about, <laughs> but uh, my, I, I don't see very much of my daughter, and I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of fix that. And you know, they can't take away those memories, though, can they? You know, and they, um, they can't take away memories, and and they can't take away, you know, the fact that again. As long as you're on the expert, like I've lowered my expectations tremendously. So yeah. I might not, it, but I, I'm there. I show up for things. Yeah. I, I let them know I'm always available. I send them notes, even though I don't get anything back sometimes. It doesn't matter because, and even though I, it, you, some people could say, Hey, she's probably not even reading it. You know what? She might not read it, but she sees my name pop up on her text or on yeah. her thing and she knows there's dad again. And oh my God, he still hasn't given up. And, and to me, that's the, when you do that, it, it, it's it's going to come back to you, and that's where my hashtag "This Dad Won't Quit" comes from, yeah. and and my video. You know, it's a big part of who I am. Wow. So so, have you written a book around that? Because because it's about the struggle. It's not about the result. Yeah. It's about the commitment. To, yeah. to what it is. So uh, th- th- that's something that's out there, and who knows, you might see it one day. I'm sure. I have about um, five. I, I have about five different names already for it. So. Wow. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Uh, for me, I worked with my dad for seven years, and uh, it was very difficult working in a family business. But I, I never really spent any time with him when I was growing up, or very little. And now he's like 84 years old, and uh, and he, he helped me to edit my book. And uh, he absolutely loves it. 
He loved my book. And, um, yeah, he used to, he used, he had about two and a half thousand students that he used to teach executives on, um, corporate planning in, in London. Um, and he used to interview a lot of people for MIT, um, because he's, he's actually from, uh, from Connecticut, my dad. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, he, yeah, and, 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 and actually what's interesting is I never really had a very strong relationship with him until, until probably a year ago or, or six months ago, you know. So, uh, and he, you know, and I'm 40, I'm, I'm 41 now and he's 80, 84. So, or 85. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Relationships. And, and sooner or later, they, they definitely rebuild themselves. No doubt in my mind, um, with that. But it's been, it's been a real joy talking with you, uh, Ted. And uh, I, yeah. I've really enjoyed this too, Nat. Thank you very much for making the time. Um, I'd love to do it again sometime. Um, I hope we can meet face to face at some point. Now, are you in Spain? I'm I'm actually in England at the moment, but I'm I'm planning on going back to Spain, probably November, I think December. By the time I get my act together, but it, it could be next year. It all depends on it all depends on what happens with my book and the new clients that I'm working with and and sort of stuff like this, really. So you know how it is, right? Yeah, I do. So listen, I'd love to chat with you again. Um, I'd love to meet face to face. I will tell you that part of what I've done down here in Florida is I have a two, I have one apartment I live in and I have a guest, a full one bedroom guest apartment right next to my apartment in the same small little building overlooking the intracoastal waterway and I'm a quarter mile from the beach. If ever you have the inclination that you want to get some sun and come down for a few days or a week, um, my home is yours. Oh wow, that's that's that is absolutely fantastic. I really really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I would love to meet face to face because we, we we have a lot of fun and uh, it'll be it'll be really really nice. I'd love to visit Florida as well. So um, yeah, I will. Um, I'll bear that in mind. That'll be uh, that'll be absolutely fantastic. And if I find myself over your way, uh, you know, maybe we can connect over there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. When I get back to Spain, um, that that would be perfect. I'll definitely have some, uh, definitely have some space for you. Where Where are you in Spain? Well, I was in Javier, um, near Alicante, which is eastern Spain. Well, listen, I, I, I apologize. I've got to run. I've got to get something out to somebody before it's too late. No worries. So, Could you just tell everybody how they find you? Oh, sure. Well, I'm easy to find. Just Google Ted Rubin. I'm probably the first on pages. That's T-E-D-R-U-B-I-N. Or I'm t- at Ted Rubin on Twitter, Ted on Facebook, Ted Rubin on Instagram, Ted Rubin at Gmail. Uh, and my phone number is 516-270-5511. Um, nobody calls, so I can give out my number anytime, anywhere. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe and wherever you prefer, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed the show, drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.